Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you've been well over the last week. It's been a relatively quiet one for our Chicago Bears as wave after wave of the ocean of free agency continues to pass us by. That doesn't mean there isn't some news to discuss since our last show. Plus, we're going to take a unique approach of determining where every NFC North team stands compared to one another at each position this week on offense, so stay tuned for that. So for today's show, I'm joined by my awesome co-hosts and best friends, Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Brothers, I want to know, how have you been over the last week? I've been better. Uh, I haven't slept much since Saturday. I've been battling, I've been calling it uh, witch doctor voodoo stuff. I don't really know what it is. I keep coughing, but uh, other than that, I've been doing all right. Okay, I hope that you get better. Have you gone to the doctor? (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow, actually. Well, I wish you luck there. Thank you. I just got over a cold, so I'm doing a lot better in terms of health. It's been a crazy week uh, in terms of work, though, just with a bunch of – with the semester, uh, with spring break and stuff, all the papers are being due. So it's been crazy with history papers. I've learned so much about history. Uh, It's insane, and even though that's a subject that I try to stray away from, I've learned a lot. But I'm glad we're just talking football now because I'd rather not read any more history papers for the rest of the week. I'm glad we're able to save you this week, Nick. Yeah, thank you. No problem. So like I mentioned in the introduction, there is some news to discuss. The Bears have made three, maybe four moves. Uh, number one, they did sign wide receiver Marvin Hall from Atlanta. They re-signed punter Pat O'Donnell. They re-signed third-string quarterback Tyler Bray. I do think it's worth noting that tight end Daniel Brown is officially gone as he's joining the New York Jets. And the other move that we believe the Bears have made, we haven't seen come through any official reports yet, but on Spot Track, you do see that Zach Miller has a new one-year $930,000 contract for the Bears for the 2019 season. So let's go ahead and begin with the newest face in Hallis Hall, guys, and that is going to be, well, Marvin Hall. 
He's only been uh, in the league, you know, for just a short time. He only has like 13 career catches to his name. Not a huge resume so far, but if there's one thing that he brings to the table, it's his speed. So, Nick, I wanted to just hand it over to you to kind of just start things off. Obviously, the Bears have a very crowded wide receiver room now, which, of course, is not a bad problem to have whatsoever. And Hall, he's not going to be asked to do you know a ton of things. He's not going to be a premier weapon in the offense. But with speed like that, obviously and surely the Bears can find some use for him, right? Absolutely. We know Matt Nagy likes to have speed alongside his offense, and Marvin Hall definitely has that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does get some time in a wide receiver, maybe that fourth, fifth position. But it's great to have that asset on your team because now you have Taylor Gabriel, Marvin Hall, Tariq Cohen. There's a lot of speed on that offense. So if he's going for a vertical route, have two of those guys go for a vertical route and have a post right behind that, you're going to have those safeties guessing it to where one of these guys can be going and just being able to keep up with them. But I can definitely see Matt Nagy trying to get him on the field every now and then. But he's also a good kick returner. He had 26 kick returns for 616 yards. That was seventh in the league last season in terms of those yards. And we already know that the Bears brought in Cordero Patterson. And what what I haven't seen from the Bears in a long time, and from a lot of teams really, is those two kick returners back at the same time. Who knows? Matt Nagy might put both of those guys back there just to confuse, uh, you know, uh, opposing special teams units. Who's going to get the ball? And if either one of those guys gets their hand with the ball, they can do some damage with it. Absolutely. Again, speed kills. It's a thing. It's a new kind of mantra here in the NFL. Players are getting faster. And when you have someone like you mentioned, Tariq Cohen, even Taylor Gabriel as well, you know, Turbo as well. It's all this being this offense compared to just even two years ago, it's really incredible. And I can't wait to see exactly how the Bears want to unleash uh, all of it. Brandon, do you have any thoughts about this signing? Do you like it? Yeah, I do like it, especially because I think it really revamps the special teams more than the wide receiver room, which, uh, you know, like Nick touched on, you know, Matt Nagy likes the speed, can use it in a different variety of ways on the, in the offense. Uh, but I think that it really helps the, the special teams more because that third phase was really a unit that, that struggled uh, throughout most of the year. And it wasn't necessarily all on kick returners or blockers or whatever. But I read a stat that he played on 46% of Atlanta's special teams uh, snaps last season. So he's a guy that's going to bring that experience on the third phase. He knows how hard it, you know, how much hard work you have to put in to be able to execute at that position. So I think that it's really a more more or less of a helping for the third phase of the game uh, and revamping that special teams because that's uh, a unit that really needs it more than anything else. Now, Nick likes to talk about on special teams, in particular the punt unit, the Gunners. With speed like that, he should be able to cover a lot of ground in a hurry and maybe help uh, the other re-signing of Patrick O'Donnell in terms of that net average. Do you see that happening, Nick? Um, you know, we have to account. He is a smaller guy, so Marvin Hall being at five foot ten. So we'll see if they actually put him out there as Gunner. I I don't know if they did last year with uh, the Atlanta Falcons, but like you said, having that speed does help to get down there. And now that we got Mega Punt back, what was it, a two year deal mm-hmm. that uh, he resigned for? So that definitely will help if you have speed to go along with being able to get off the line of scrimmage. As a wide receiver, you're kind of used to that being jammed by a corner. So we'll see if they implement him out there. Um, but the speed definitely does help getting down there, especially if you have a punter who can boot it. You want to be able to get down there fast. All right, let's go ahead and talk about those two re-signings. Again, it's breaking huge news this week. It's been you know causing a bunch of headlines and stir. Our third-string quarterback and our punter is returning. But let's go ahead and start with Tyler Bray. I don't think we need to take too much time here. I did joke with Brandon all right before we went live that I planned on 80-minute segment here. Obviously, I, that's not the case. Uh, but obviously, 
What I really like about this signing is just the continuity in the quarterback room. Again, Bray's been in the system that Nagy's had uh, for quite some time now. Same with Chase Daniel. And for him, uh, being Bray, Daniel, and Trubisky to all be in the quarterback's room, again, for the second straight year, the continuity is going to really help number 10. Don't you see, Don't you think, Nick? Absolutely. Um, and the big thing there now is, like you said, that continuity within the quarterback room. And it, again, it's Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray are there to help Mitch Trubisky. And I think Matt Nagy knows that if you can keep that continuity, like we we always talk about within, within the offensive line, keeping that continuity is good for the entire group. I think the same things with the quarterback room, these guys that are, you know, going into these meetings with Matt Nagy, Mark Helfrich, most likely, and just establishing a game plan. Well, look, everyone's got bits and pieces from different experiences that you can incorporate into a game plan. So there's a lot of different perspectives that go into um, whatever the game plan is that, you know, first that particular opponent. So I like that bringing Tyler Bray. I think now, though, he's not qualified to stay on the practice squad. I think now he's a, essentially a part of the 53-man roster, if I'm not mistaken. So the Bears do have to account for that when they're thinking about that 53-man roster. There's going to be another quarterback added to it. Well, it doesn't mean he's going to stick on once he gets to September. He could just be here for the offseason. True. Yeah, that's very true. I think when you sign him, though, I think they're really looking for him to possibly make it. You never know what's going to happen with Chase Daniel. Injury can happen. Then, you know, what ends up happening? Trubisky missed, uh, or, yeah, missed a couple of games last season, two games. So you just want to be able to have at least enough depth. Hopefully it never gets to that point because that's when you know a season's probably not going the way you want when your starting quarterback's not being uh, available to play. Yeah, uh, I don't even want to fathom uh, that sort of situation, Nick. But yeah, no, this is more like on top of the continuity, on top of keeping the same minds in that quarterback room as Trubisky continues to learn the system here in year two uh, for it. Uh, it's, like you said, it's an assurance kind of a policy there for uh, the entire room, the quarterbacks in general. Brandon, I'm curious your thoughts about uh, big old Tyler Bray coming back to town. Uh, big Tyler Bray is a good point because he's a very tall quarterback, mm-hmm. but uh, I really just uh, echo everything that you guys say without really saying it. Uh, but I think it's just a overall really good signing just because it keeps another smart guy in the room. Uh, I mean, the continuity thing like you guys talked about, but I mean, Tyler Bray, like you said, well, has been a guy that's been in the system before uh, with Matt Nagy and he's been around Chase Daniel who likes to brag that he's one of the smartest guys ever in a quarterback room. You know, he always likes to make sure that he's got that title. Uh, so I think Tyler Bray's learned a lot from, um, from Chase Daniel as well. And hopefully he continues to bring uh, a different outlook on things, I guess, uh, being a third string quarterback. Cause you don't hardly see the playing field. And like Nick said, if he's playing, that's a huge problem. So uh, I think it's, it's good really just to have that, that good offensive mind in the room, even if he's not out there taking as many snaps. Absolutely. Well, I think that's going to wrap up that conversation. Unless you guys have anything further you want to talk about Tyler Bray today. It's going to be a stretch to get it to an 80 minute segment. That's for sure. (laughs) Running, running a little short on time. (laughs) A little bit. All right, let's go move on to the next one. Uh, Patrick O'Donnell, uh, like Nick mentioned, two year contract uh, worth $4 million. Uh, To me, this was a little bit surprising considering the Bears could have gone a different route to maybe save some money and get relatively uh, the same results, uh, especially with all the turnover in the special teams department. Um, And O'Donnell, too, even though I think he did improve last year, he still hasn't been what I'll call like, you know, world class at his position. Uh, Brandon, I want to go to you first. I'm just curious your guys' thoughts uh, on bringing back the punter. I was. You know, pretty okay with it at first. Then I was scrolling through Twitter last night, and I wish I could give credit to whoever made this picture, but it had uh, the Bears field goal uh, kickers' percentages when Pat O'Donnell's on the team. And weirdly enough, they are never the best. 
So I don't know if that's the underlying factor between why the Bears have so many rotating kickers, but now I'm all of a sudden a little bit more weary that Pat O'Donnell's back. You know, for more than just the punt, he's, he's like you said, not world-class uh, punter at his position, but uh, I think there might be some other underlying issues. Uh, maybe he gets too much in the kicker's head, something like that. I don't know. Maybe he's not the best holder. I don't know all the science behind all that, but uh, I'm a little more weary of it now. I think, uh, like you said, we could definitely do a little bit better, at least price-wise, and still get the same results. So... It doesn't uh, break my, my heart that he's here, and it doesn't really break my heart that he's not gone. So uh, very neutral about him uh, right now. Makes sense. I don't know the image specifically you're talking about, but I do know as soon as the contract broke, uh, Bill Zimmerman on Twitter did do a great breakdown of uh, Bears kickers with or without uh, O'Donnell being the holder, and every single time it's like a downward kind of turn, uh, which, again, maybe it's coincidence, um, but when it's multiple kickers, when you're looking at three, four different kickers, it's it gets a little alarming really quick, Brandon. That's a really good point to bring up because it is a little bit more than just what he provides as a punter because he is the holder on special teams. I'm just curious to Nick's thoughts. What do you uh, what do you believe uh, in? Do you how, how about this? Do you believe in Patrick O'Donnell? I would say so. I think. I mean, I'm indifferent about the signing to be completely honest. And I, I used to be a holder. Back in high school, it's it's kind of stressful when that ball is coming. You're like, all right, you have to get the laces out, make sure you have it right for the kicker. One time it was a high snap. I had to roll out and throw a pass. We ended up winning the game because it was a seven to six or yeah, eight, no, eight to six game. It was a weird play, but I don't know that coincidence that kickers have done worse with Pat Donald. I don't it, like if you look at the um, the playoff game and then the Cody Parkey double doink. There was nothing wrong with that snap. Everything worked out, and maybe it's just other snaps throughout the season. Look, everybody that hasn't been named Robbie Gold that has come to try and kick for the Bears has been bad. And, yes, Pat O'Donnell has been there. I, I don't, I'm not buying it. I think that, you know, we just haven't figured out that kicking situation, and it's just a hard place to kick in at Soldier Field. But overall, with this bringing him back, I'm just thinking who was out, who else was out there to replace Pat O'Donnell as, as a punter there, and you weren't going to get much better. You weren't going to get much worse. So just bring him back. He's used to, you know, obviously being with the Bears. He's a good locker room guy. Again, that's what Matt Nagy's trying to establish with this culture that he has in Chicago right now. So, yeah, like, but like I said, I'm an indifferent with the move, and there's really nobody else that I was thinking of. Like, we need to go get this punter. He's going to change the game on special teams for the Bears. That wasn't really uh, an option, I guess. Okay, so Brandon was neutral. You're indifferent. I do have a follow-up question for you, Nick. How much do you believe uh, it played a factor that both O'Donnell and Ryan Pace share a barber in Chicago? Like O'Donnell's like, I, <laughs> I have to go to Funk's. I can't get my haircut anywhere else. Please keep me in Chicago. I mean, it's a great place to get a haircut. I've been there too. So maybe that was that's the 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 common theme there. They both have very, you know, they have great haircuts. So and they go to the same exact place. They got to stay on the same team. You know who else goes to Funks to get his haircut? Sometimes me. Sometimes you. What about Zach Miller? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Zach Miller, he's always there. Now, I want to go ahead and share my screen here because, again, I haven't seen it come through through any of the official you know, Bears beat writers or any other sources as well. But here on Track, you do see that Zach Miller does have a 2019 contract here for $930,000 with the cap hit of 645k. Now, of course, we have to wait until things break and are 100% official, but Nick, 
and you talked about this right before we went live, that this is a very, this is a, still a great move by the Bears as Zach Miller, he's still pursuing to return to the football field one day. I'm just curious of uh, your thoughts on if this is true, if Zach Miller is coming back on another one-year deal here, uh, what do you expect? What are your thoughts about it in general? Yeah, I, I would think it would just be a great move for the Bears to be able to bring back Zach Miller, regardless of what his role is on the team, just having him around would be a good thing for the Bears. And just for everybody that's, you know, been following Zach Miller's career and what he's been through over the past, you know, year now with that injury, um, I think it would just be a great move. I think we all are expecting him if he's not able to return to the football field, which probably is most likely going uh, is the case be some kind of tight ends coach to get involved there. And we know that he was involved with that, you know, just last season. So I think that would be his role moving forward. If football is no longer a a viable and realistic option, that's what I would hope that Zach Miller gets into because he's a great guy. Um, Everybody I think is better just being around him, very inspirational. So if this is in fact true, which I hope it is, the bears did the right thing by bringing back Zach Miller on that one year deal. Yeah, I mean, I look at it very similar to you because, again, even though he is, you know, inching or trying to return to the football field, the chances that it happening is still very slim. I admire him for still, you know, holding on to his dreams, keeping that kind of milestone ahead of him as he goes through all the trials and tribulations of his current situation. Uh, but with that, I do look at this as just another one-year deal to see if he can get there, to see where he feels where he's at next year but at the worst case scenario like you said nick he's here to be a coach and if you can find a way to get back on the field and on top of that too being a player instead of a coach he does still get all of the medical attention the medical resources that the bears do offer which of course is another great added bonus and benefit uh, to him as he goes and continues through this long uh you know this rehab process uh, for his knee as he's still trying to come back to that but he's making great progress in terms of getting back to normal daily life kind of activities. And of course, Zach, he has, you know, big goals, lofty ones, but we're here to support him every way whatsoever. And it's just great to see that the bears are continuing to take care of him as he goes through this. B anything you want to add? Yeah, I think it's really just a, a class move. And again, with Tyler Bray in the quarterback room with continuity, the same thing goes for Zach Miller. Uh, I think it's great for Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton to have a guy like Zach Miller, who's had, Uh, His ups and downs in his career, uh, obviously in a down right now, unfortunately. But I think it's just great for him to be in the room so he can share his, you know, in-game experiences and how he trained for certain things and how he does and how he did this and what's the right way, right technique to do this and that. So overall, I mean, it does come down to him basically being another coach again. Uh, But I I like the move uh, because it gets him, uh, again, uh, rehabilitation and, you know, some world-class facilities. So overall, it's just a very – Great PR thing and uh, good for Zach Miller as well because I, I hope that he's able to come back anyway. Now, Nick, Daniel Brown is going to New York to become a Jet. Does that make tight end, even with Zach Miller, of course, does that still make it a, another need now, uh, only having the three with Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, and Ben Broniker? Yeah, and Adam Shaheen is, I mean, you can't really count on Adam Shaheen as of right now through his first two seasons in the NFL. So I would think with Daniel Brown now leaving being a New York Jet, You have to think the Bears might look to address and just add some depth at that position. We just don't know if we can count on Adam Shaheen at this point in his career. So I think the Bears will look for some options, whether it's some veteran options that you can bring on a, you know, veteran deal, which is uh, good for both, you know, whatever XYZ player or the organization, or maybe they even go into the draft to look for, for somebody that could be a viable option there. Because again, Adam Shaheen, former second round pick, not much to show for it so far in his career. 
Yep. I don't think I have to add any more than that. You I mean, you hit my point. Obviously, I'm asking the question. I believe that it is a need here. Uh, B, did you have anything else you want to add? I think it is pretty straightforward that going into the regular season or even really training camp with just these three tight ends really isn't a viable option. No, it's not one that I would like to see anyway. Because uh, like Nick said, we don't know what Adam Shaheen really is capable of. Trey Burton's really the only uh, reliable option, I guess, because I mean, Ben Bronner can go out there too, but again, kind of unreliable. Still a lot of question marks around him regarding him playing a tight end position. So I would like to see this position be addressed uh, either in the draft or in free agency here just to kind of bolster that room a little bit, add some you know more question mark depth, I guess. See who can come out of the out of the I don't even know what I'm trying to get to, but diamond in the rough. That's that's what I'm looking for. It's that witch doctor voodoo kind of illness going over your brain yes. right now, isn't it? You get it a pass is. this week. Thank you. No problem. All right, so up next, we're gonna there's gonna be some madness here on the show as we're gonna rank each NFC North team by offensive position. So what exactly will we be doing? Well, you're about to find out, but first I need to call just a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets to your favorite game online could just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know exactly who to trust. And that's why we're proud to partner with SeatGeek. And really, they're the way to go. What makes SeatGeek unique is that they can pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's something quite like being at the event that you want to be in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all of us here have the SeatGeek app on our phones, our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets over really for the past few years here. I love that, number one, they can send you some great notifications. You can sign up for the teams or the events that you're interested in, and if prices drop, they'll instantly send you a notification alerting you of a price drop. That way you can jump in and get on those savings before someone else does. So definitely check that out, feature out within the app as well. And additionally, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So go ahead and make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater today. And the best part of all is that our listeners do get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That is promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. I really love the app, and I know you will too. If you're looking for you know, honestly, any ticket to any event, check out SeatGeek because they definitely have those tickets. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Russell DeWitt, and I'm joined by my co-host Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett. And we are now taking a step back and taking a look at the entire NFC North now that we're a few waves into this free agency period as teams are starting to shift. So now that the few first waves have come and gone, like I said, teams are shifting. It's time to see where the teams in our own backyard compare as we look to repeat as NFC North champions. And Nick, you did have the great idea to kind of get into that March Madness spirit. So while I take a step back and kind of get some things set up here on our video side, uh, do you want to explain why, what we're about to kind of embark on? Yes. Yeah, so I thought it would be a good idea to be able to incorporate something about football. And, of course, the March Madness going on, first day of the tournament. It's already a couple of us upsets have already happened. So I thought it would be a good idea if we were able to rank the Bears uh, in terms of offensive position groups well, in a Final Four-style bracket. So that's what we did. And we have, I think, a couple of graphics that we might be able to show uh, during the podcast. But we're going to basically do that. Who has the best quarterbacks, running backs, 
wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive lines amongst the NFC North, uh, you know, opponents. So that's our plan. We're going to see what ends up happening, who ends up having more positions uh, on top of the, I guess, the bracket. I'm going to go from there and see how it all goes out. Absolutely. And I feel kind of bad because I'm the only one besides all of our viewers here that can actually see these brackets live. You guys are going to be running in the dark. You're going to have to check it out later. Nick's pulling up another tab, it looks like, because he wants to I find already out. had it open. I already had it open, so I know Love everything it. that's going to happen. Brandon's internet can't handle it, guys, so don't worry about that. All right, so I'm going to go and continue sh- operating in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't worry. It's cool. You can check it out later. I'm sure it'll take your internet about an hour to buffer our video to play it, but I'm sure uh, it's well worth your time, Brandon. It'll be fine. All right, so first up, we are going to start with quarterbacks. We're going to do this like we do our post-game shows and our game previews going position by position. Of course, we always start with quarterback. So here, let me go and share my screen to show you exactly what this bracket is going to look like. So first up, we have two matchups, the Bears versus the Vikings. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about the Lions versus the Packers. And then we can go ahead and determine the winners of each. And then we'll go ahead and do the final four, the quarterback position. And I'll come back to the screen here in just a little bit. But Nick, I want to kick it over to you first. Bears versus Vikings, Trubisky, Cousins. And you can throw in the backups as well because they matter. Who do you got? Yeah, so this one was actually, uh, you know, just the quarterbacks in general, other than Aaron Rodgers, determining who, where they uh, rank in this position groups. Kirk Cousins, I thought last season, obviously he has all the statistics. He had completion percentage of 70%, uh, had 4,298 yards, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But, the Vikings finished eight, seven, and one. And there were times where Kirk Cousins, you know, look at him in his loss to the Bills, both times to the Bears, uh, only put up 10 points against the Patriots through two interceptions. There are times where Kirk Cousins got this money to be this franchise quarterback, didn't live up to it. And then you can, like I said, we're going to factor in the other quarterbacks on the roster. You have Trevor Simeon and then Kevin, Kyle Slaughter. So, guys, you're we're incorporating everybody, but I'm also looking at the outlook for you know, the 2019 season for the Vikings. Can I they stop you do... real quick? Yeah, go right I, ahead. I believe Trevor Simeon's gone. I think he went to the Jets. Is he? Did he go to the Jets? So now there's one less guy to even worry about with the, the Minnesota Vikings. So obviously at all with these quarterbacks, you're really going to focus on the main guys. I mean, that's if, like we talked about earlier, if your main guy goes, your, your season's probably not going to end up where you want it to be. But like I said, the Vikings really underperformed last season. And I think Kirk Cousins has a, the statistics didn't really, I, I think, elevate that team to be, you know, another NFC North uh, competitor because in in the end, eight, seven and one. And Trubisky is interesting because he had such a big jump from year one to year two. And you only expect even greater things with Matt Nagy in this offense in year two with him. So I think Mitch Trubisky, when you come when it comes down to how 2019 is going to play out, I have Mitch outplaying Kirk Cousins. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears for this one. So Mitch Trubisky will outplay Kirk Cousins. And I like what he did last year. Going to learn uh, really to learn from his mistakes. That was mechanically and some decision-making. You still want to see Mitch be in those single digits with the interceptions. He had 12 last season. So I want to see him make better decision-making moving forward. I think he'll do that under Matt Nagy in year two. So I'm going to have to give it to the Bears here. All right. Nick is uh, first up on the board. And the NFC North champs are already starting strong with the Bears having the edge here. Brandon, I'm going to go to you. I'm going to try to play tiebreaker. Uh, I do have some good points I want to make here on this battle, but I'm going to go to you next. Who do you have? 
Uh, I'm actually taking the Bears as well, and part of that is because uh, a lot of reasons that, that Nick said, but uh, the human element really plays into a, a factor in this this matchup here because Kirk Cousins threw 606 passes last year while Trubisky threw 434. Now, granted, Mitch missed a couple games, but in those couple games, he's not making up 600 attempts. Uh, so in a heavier passing offense, that's why Kirk has a 3-to-1 touchdown interception ratio, which is a little bit more impressive. Uh, then Mitch is two to one, uh, but regardless, uh, his his volume uh, for Kirk really increases, and for that reason, I'm giving it to Mitch because I just think that he has more upside, and I think what we've seen out of Kirk last year, based in this offense uh, that Minnesota has, where it's just so pass heavy, uh, that this is kind of what you're going to get out of a guy. I mean, he's not going to necessarily lead your team to the 12 and four seasons that I think that Minnesota was kind of hoping for, especially after uh, last year where they went to the NFC championship lost to the saints. Uh, they upgraded quarterbacks to try and get over that hump and it didn't really work out. So, uh, again, if they would have, you know, kept a few things intact, like if they would have held on to Pat Shermer instead of letting him go to the giants, then, you know, bringing Kirk cousins in may make a little bit more sense, but with a new offensive system, uh, that's so pass heavy. I just don't see how you get any better than what Kirk already is. Mitch has a lot more upside. The offense is going to open up a whole lot more this year. Uh, so for that reason, uh, looking at 2019, I have Chicago over Minnesota in this one. All right. So obviously the Bears are moving on, but I still want to make a couple of my points here because I am also going with the Bears here. Uh, I'm glad that we're all in agreement here that Mitch is uh, superior to Kirk Cousins, even though the stats may indicate slightly otherwise. But there are a couple of reasons why I believe Mitch has the, uh, the edge here. Number one, uh, Mitch, he's a better downfield passer. A lot of what Cousins has accomplished is a lot of underneath. He doesn't average a lot of yards per attempt. He just works a lot of underneath and he gets a lot of yak that kind of pads some of those stats. And then secondly, don't forget everything that Mitch provides in terms of his athleticism, uh, how he can evade the pressure in the pocket much better than Cousins. And of course, what Trubisky kind of provides as a runner is second to none. Cousins, he doesn't even come close to that in terms of his athletic ability. Uh, so does Cousins maybe do a better job of taking care of the football overall? Sure. But again, Cousins, he just completes a ton of higher percentage throws. Um, so for that, I like how Mitch likes to take those chances, that touchdown to check down kind of mentality. And don't forget the stat, and I have to make sure no one else brought it up, so I'm going to do it. Kirk Cousins, 4-23 and against teams with a winning record in his career. I didn't take, the, I didn't have the time today to kind of go through where Trubisky's is, but I can guarantee you it's way better than 4-23. and So obviously he, the Bears have the edge here. All right, up next, we have the Lions with Matthew Stafford and the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Of course, the backers, uh, the backups do play a factor here. Brandon, I'm going to go to you. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this one personally, but uh, I'm curious to your thoughts here uh, between Lions and backers. Uh, yeah, it's tough to beat a MVP. You know, granted, that was a while ago, but it, he still plays at that level. And unfortunately, Rodgers had the uh, comeback performance of the year award back in week one. Uh, they won at the award show this year, which I hate to bring up, but yeah, you know man. that just goes to show how good of a, a quarterback that he really is. And Stafford's never done anything like that. He can will his team sometimes. He can really sling it. He can, you know, make you know, throw sidearm whatever he's got to do to get the ball to his receiver. You know, do all the things Aaron Rodgers does, but Aaron Rodgers just does it way better than Matthew Stafford. So for that reason, based solely on the eye test, I'm not even looking at stats right now. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yep. I mean, that's exactly what I have here in my notes. I was like, this one seems 100% straightforward. Aaron Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring 
then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Aaron Rodgers, greater, sans, greater than sign Matthew Stafford. It's, I think everybody listening understands exactly what we mean. Uh, but Nick, do you have any insight you want to provide in this battle? Yeah, I'll just kind of talk about Matthew Stafford and what he hasn't really accomplished in his career so far. Oh, lovely. Look, he is, look Stafford's been to the playoffs three <laughs> times. He's lost all three, and he's been to the Pro Bowl once in 2014. In 2018, just last season, he signed a five-year, $135 million extension. Third highest at that time. He's being paid like, like one of the absolute best quarterbacks, but what does he have to show for it? Absolutely nothing. Like at times, Brandon, you said it. He'll come back, will his team back in those, you know, fourth quarter comebacks. Great. Well, look, the Lions haven't done anything as an organization under him. And it's not going to happen. I think we know who Matthew Stafford is at this point. Going into his 11th season, I mean, there's just, he's a good passer. He can make a lot of, a lot of good throws. But the Lions just have not done anything. And you look at, in this matchup, Aaron Rodgers, we know what he's done. He's been, you know, killing the division for years now. So this isn't a, you know, a matchup really that's comparable because it's Aaron Rodgers over. Well, we'll, we'll get we'll get into it. But Matthew Stafford, not a big fan of his. When he started off the 2018 season by throwing four interceptions against the Jets, you just kind of know how it's going to end up in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I have nothing else I want to add here at all. So I think we can go right to the final round here. And I got to show my screen because I did update our graphic. Uh, it's going to be Bears versus Packers here for the quarterbacks. Uh, let's go to Brandon first. Trubisky, Aaron Rodgers. I, I hate to say where I think this one's going to go, but I'm going to kind of let this thing run its course. So over to you, Brandon. Uh, you're first. Uh, well, I hate to be the one to kick this one off because I don't want to be the one to start it going in that direction that I think it's going. So uh, I think we still need to see another year worth of growth from Mitch to be able to say, you know, he's going to be better than Aaron Rodgers one day uh, because we've seen Aaron Rodgers in the past be able to create something with nothing. Uh, and Mitch, when he had nothing, uh, he was a, kind of a mediocre quarterback. And now that he's got other talent around him, uh, he brought in a better offensive-minded coach other than John Fox. Uh, he's really started to progress, which is great. All great signs. Uh, but he's just got such a small sample size that to compare him to Aaron Rodgers, uh, it's really not uh, comparable yet. Uh, so I have to give it to Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, to win the uh, NFC North quarterback category. Yeah, again, it's one of these things where I'm just going to throw my two cents in here now, too. It's going to be Green Bay. I'm going to give it to the Packers because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's done it really well, more than well. I mean, he's done it phenomenally for such a long time in this league. Uh, and, yeah, again, Trubisky, he's only entering year three. This isn't a knock on Trubisky whatsoever because he can take these steps to get there. So, for me, right now, of course, Aaron Rodgers. Maybe one day Aaron Rodgers will step aside. He'll retire. We can all, you know, they count, you know, count our blessings for that day. Then we can say Trubisky's the best quarterback here in the NFC North. But as of right now, at number 12, up in Cheeseland. Uh, I don't think I've ever said that on the podcast, actually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit too straightforward. And, again, not a knock on Trubisky, uh, just a nod to what Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, so, Nick, I want to go over to you. I don't think you are going to say anything different, are you? No, no. We're look. We're Bears fans here, but we know we're realistic, and it would be absurd to say that Trubisky is better than Aaron Rodgers in in any any form or fashion. So Aaron Rodgers, 
I mean, look, he's been a great quarterback for a very long time. It will be interesting, though, to see how he does this next season, having a new head coach who's also the offensive mm-hmm. coordinator, Matt LaFleur. So that's going to be interesting. He's more of that veteran uh, leader in that locker room with a lot of their old guys leaving. So there's going to be some new responsibilities that Rodgers has to handle this season. So that's going to be interesting to see how he uh, copes with that. I will say this, just a knock Aaron Rodgers. As good as he is, he's only got one Super Bowl, so just saying. <laughs> just saying. But they win this category. They win this category. All right, so it's official, so I'll go ahead and share the screen again here. Packers, have enjoy your one victory here with the quarterbacks because I have a feeling that might be all you get here in today's show. All right, you guys ready to move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right. Switching right on to running back. Our matchups are the Lions versus the Bears and the Vikings versus the Packers. So let's jump right in here. Lions and Bears. And let's go to Nick. What do you got? So the Lions, uh, I think they did a really good job, especially moving up in that second round to go get on Johnson. I think he's going to be a really good back in this league. The only thing with him, had some injuries. Um, he had a knee injury that um, – really shut him down after a season. But when he was healthy and running the ball effectively, he he was rushing for 5.4 yards per rush. That was second in the NFL. So, mm-hmm. And we saw a little bit, a uh, glimpse of that in that first meeting between the Bears and Lions, what he was able to do. But behind on Johnson, that's where the question marks come for the Detroit Lions. Right now they have, well, I think theoretically, they're looking to move on from him. Uh, the Lions have brought in uh, running back Spencer Ware earlier on the week, Monday, so for a visit, so potentially looking to replace the Oritic. And actually, they signed Malcolm Brown, who was with the Rams last season, to an offer sheet. But the Rams have until Monday to match that. If not, then it looks like it's going to be on Johnson, Malcolm Brown, as, like I guess, that two-headed monster in Detroit. But when it comes down to it, it's really on Johnson. If he can stay healthy, they have a good running game. So is it Lions-Vikings or Lions-Bears? It's Lions-Bears. Lions-Bears. So... This graphic is not right. Okay, so we're going up to the Bears that I have. But look, I think even with Jordan Howard, and that's been the question marks for the Bears, right? Whether or not they're going to keep Jordan Howard, the Bears still have some good – with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, that's still a good running back room. Tariq Cohen is a mismatch nightmare for opposing linebackers. Uh, Regardless if he's in the backfield or split out wide, opposing teams have to game plan for Tariq Cohen. And then when it comes to short yard situations – Jordan Howard's one of the better backs in the league at picking up those one to two yards that you're going to need to sustain drives. We all know about the uncertainty with him being as a receiver, whether or not it limits the offense. But in terms of being a runner, a running back, Jordan Howard still can do the job. And add in Mike Davis now, who kind of reminds me of Howard, has a little bit uh, more elusiveness and is a better receiver. But again, that just adds depth to the position if the Bears decide to keep Howard. But if I have to go with these two, I'm definitely going to give it to the Bears. Yeah, and I'm going to jump into my side here as well because you mentioned a lot of great points about the Lions too. With Carryon Johnson, again, second in the NFL when he got injured at that 5.4 YPA. And even at the time, I think he had uh, he was a top 10 rusher at the time that he was placed at IR. So, he, again, he was very productive. And the Lions offensive line wasn't overly great by any means, so you have to give a lot of kudos to Carryon Johnson there. Um, and even behind him, you do see a Zach Zenner, which is way back there in the depth chart. But he, he too, he averaged 4.8 yards per carry, uh, three touchdowns last year, uh, and he made the most of his 55 touches. So even though he didn't get a ton of them, he was still able to make his impact felt. 
And even if Theo Riddick is here or not, I still added him in because he is still technically under contract, I believe. Uh, so he had 55, 550 total yards last year. And as a unit who is currently on the, on the Lions, they had around 1,600 total yards last season. Now for the Bears, and I don't think I need to hit at home because we know the Bears. We talk about the Bears all the time. Nick, you just did a great job of describing all three running backs. I'm curious, Nick, if you had a guess of what uh, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, and uh, Mike Davis had together combined yards in 2018, how many yards? Oh, man, I just had the stats all in front of me. But, okay, we almost had close to 1,000 with Jordan Howard, 900-something. I'm talking all uh, scrimmage yards. So not, oh, take, all you can scrimmage take away, yards. Take away Cohen's return yards, though, just receiving and rushing. Ooh, uh, we will go around 2,000? 3,000. Maybe more? Ooh, wow, okay, I was off by 1,000. There you go. They're very obviously huge factor in you know wherever they're being involved in the offense or even in special teams. Yeah, we had nearly 3,000. I think it was like 2,900-something. Mike Davis had over 700 total. Cohen had over 1,200. And then Jordan Howard did have over 1,000 total yards last season. So for me, you got to go with this unit. Of course, we do know it's subject to change. We don't know exactly how the Bears' uh, running back situation is going to change between now, now and the draft. Uh, the draft and, of course, training camp. But as it stands right now today, I give this edge to the Bears as well, which does make it official. But, Brandon, I was curious, who was your vote? Uh, it was the Bears uh, because, I mean, really, and this isn't even just last year for the Lions. I can't even think the last time the Lions had a running back come relatively close to 1,000 yards rushing. I, I don't Larry have his Sanders. name off the top of my head. <laughs> exactly, and how long ago was that? So uh, I think just because Jordan Howard the last two seasons had 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards, and then 935 in his third year, I mean, that's tough to beat by itself You know, in this battle. So I you know, pair that with Tariq Cohen, uh, Mike Davis, I think this one's pretty easily going to the Bears. All right, so let's go on to the next matchup here, and it's going to be the Vikings and the Packers. And Brandon, since you were uh, the leg, I'll let you be the head. I don't think that's a, even a, a, nearly a metaphor, <laughs> but I think you know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> all right, so now that I can try and recover off of what you just said, because I'm not 100% sure that I followed it, but uh, I'm going I'm, I'm going to take the Packers in this one because the Vikings were so pass-heavy. This is where that human element comes in that I talked about with quarterbacks. Uh, they didn't run the ball. Uh, very much. They were last in the NFC North as far as total rushing yards. They had 1,493. Granted, there's more than that that goes into just the running back position because these guys can line up uh, and play different positions. Obviously, go out uh, into the slot a little bit. Uh, but there's, uh, you know, Delvin Cook, who's got a lot of promise. He, after coming off his injury year, finished with 615 rushing yards, led the team. Uh, he only had two touchdowns, though, which I thought was kind of weird. But Latavius Murray I had six of them, so he's more of that between-the-tackles guy. And right now they're missing that because Murray's uh, gone to New Orleans. So as of right now, I think there's a lot more upside with Dalvin Cook and whoever they bring in as a backup over the over the Packers and what they have. I'm sorry, I had the Packers winning that one. Whew, it's that voodoo stuff. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, the Vikings overall just didn't have a whole lot of promise in that, which is what I was trying to get to. The Packers with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, uh, were able to produce about 200 more rushing yards. They had 1,667, which is only seven more than the Lions. So the Lions, going back to that one real quick, still finishing third in the division as far as that goes. But the human element all of a sudden, you know, rotates back in here. The Vikings with a much more pass-heavy offense naturally didn't run the ball as much. Therefore, the talent's not quite there. They only have one running back that's really got some promise on the roster right now. 
the Packers with Jamal Williams uh, and Aaron Jones have a lot more promise and a little more things uh, going for them as far as the running back position goes. Long story short, Packers win this one. Oh, I needed to know. Nick, <laughs> you're up next. Vikings and Packers, who do you have? I also have the Packers, and it is because of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think that the problem with them was it was really the offensive system in Green Bay. They were just reluctant to give these guys carries down the stretch of games. They would establish the run maybe early on, and then you wouldn't see Aaron Jones. You wouldn't see Jamal Williams be a factor later in games, but they are good running backs. They're versatile guys that can you know, obviously do it on the ground and be uh, viable options in the passing game. So that's why I like the Packers running backs, because when you look at the Vikings and Dalvin Cook, Yes, good running back when he's healthy. He's already he's tore his ACL, um, and he's the second round pick, a guy that they're really relying on, especially because now they don't have Latavius Murray, like Brandon was just saying. He's now with the New Orleans Saints, and behind Dalvin Cook, who do you have? What are the options for the Vikings? So if Cook goes down, what Michael Boone, Amir Abdullah, which not even I, not even really an option there. He had one attempt, one yard, two receptions, eighteen yards. Not really an option for, for the Vikings there. So I think what the Vikings are going to have to do realistically in this draft is probably get somebody else just in case because you cannot rely right now on Dalvin Cook to stay healthy. You just can't. He dealt with a hamstring too, a hamstring issue in his second season, and he missed five games because of it. So there are injuries that are plaguing him. He's a good running back, but he can't stay on the field. So for that reason, I'm going to have to give it to the Packers. I don't think I have anything to add here. Again, Dalvin Cook. Good when healthy behind him. Right now, the Vikings have question mark after question mark in terms of death. And then for Green Bay, Aaron Jones. And again, uh, Aaron Jones and his, who is it? Uh, Williams? Yeah. I mean, I don't know his first name off the top of my head, but that's okay. Uh, but they, too, have, I think, a better overall you know, one-two punch compared to what the Vikings can do with Jess, Dalvin Cook. And even last year, Dalvin Cook didn't seem like he was the same kind of player that he was before the whole knee injury the year prior as well. So for me, I am going to give the Packers this edge here, which does have round two. Bears and Packers again. Let me share my screen to make sure that everyone can see it. Bears versus Packers for the final and running back. I have a hunch this one goes a little bit differently than quarterback. At least I think this is one that we can debate. Uh, so let's go to Nick first. Where's your vote? Yes, yeah, so I'm actually going to go with the Bears for this one. And here's the thing with the Bears running backs as opposed to everybody else's running backs within the division. The Bears running backs have been healthy. Every single one of these other running backs in you know, Green Bay, Detroit, Minnesota, they've all been injured at some point. Even Aaron Jones, he missed the first four games in each of his first two seasons due to knee injuries. So that's something that the Packers need to be aware of moving forward that, again, Aaron Jones is not someone who's been who's shown that he can play a full 16-game season and beyond if they make the playoffs. So, again, the Bears running backs have always been there. They've been reliable options for them. Jordan Howard's been consistent. Uh, obviously, his past season didn't go his way in terms of the yardage and the yards per carry, but he's been available. Tariq Cohen is now getting more involved in the Bears offense. We know what it was like in 2017. Not enough production now being a part of the passing game, also getting those carries. That's what makes the Bears running back so dangerous. And like we, we just talked about, we don't know who's going to essentially be there, but regardless of who is there, I'm sure Matt Nagy is going to be able to utilize whatever running back is there. And in terms of the Packers, they have good running backs. And we just need to see if they're actually going to be used for the majority of the season, uh, especially down the stretch of games, because we know Matt Nagy at times will be reluctant to use them, but he will. 
That's the thing. He used him down the stretch of the season. It was at that Rams game where we started to see more Jordan Howard, more of the rushing game. So just in terms of the players that they have, got to give it to the Bears for this one. All right. We have one vote Bears, zero vote for Green Bay, which brings me over to Brandon. Who do you have? Two votes Bears. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of it just kind of comes down to, to depth, really. Uh, I think the Bears just have better depth that position. Nick said it perfectly, too. Staying healthy is a, a big part of it as well. Uh, but when you look at Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen and Mike Davis, those are three stud running backs, to say the least, in regards to that group as a whole. Uh, when the Packers uh, have Aaron Jones, like Nick said, who's missed a couple games due to injury, Jamal Williams, who gets used sparingly here and there, he did have 121 attempts last year, but only had three touchdowns out of it, at least on the ground anyway. Uh, that That's not a very... Uh, quality room I guess is the best way to put it it's Aaron Jones and then the quality of play kind of dips a little bit uh, so I think that the depth really just plays a, a big piece in why I have the Bears in this one here alright well the Bears are already crowned the winners here for their running back kind of final four or original four only four NFC North four however you want to phrase it and I don't think I really have anything to add that you guys didn't so I don't want to kind of you know be repetitive here I'll just add that I think looking at all the running backs here within the division and you guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Is Tariq Cohen the most dynamic running back out of the entire group? Oh, like, absolutely. I would definitely say so. Just in terms of what he's able to do. I mean, he's also on special teams returning punts. So it's a guy that I think out of all the running backs, you put the ball in his hands, there, there are good things that can happen. And you just don't know when he's going to break it loose for a big gain and shake somebody. So I would definitely agree with that statement. Yeah, I, I would think... agree too. Definitely most explosive, most uh playmaking ability type running back that's really in the division like if you had to choose one back to be on your team on the entire division i think you go with Tariq Cohen for the game changing ability the matchup nightmares that he can present week in week out so yeah i think that gives the bears a huge advantage just Tariq Cohen alone and then you add in what jordan howard can do what mike davis is expected to bring to the table as well here in chicago absolutely bears have this one down pat and hopefully the bears find a way to utilize the running backs in a little bit more of an effective manner last year Terry Cohen had over 1,200 yards. I'm not going to be nitpicky there. But for the other guys, that's what I'm kind of getting for there. So the Bears do have uh, the running back tier. And so let's move right on here to wide receivers. And Nick, let's make sure we're paying attention. Lions and Vikings, Bears versus Packers. Are we all set? We are all set. All right. So, Brandon, I'm actually going to go over to you first. Lions versus Vikings, <laughs> looking at the wideouts. Who do you have? This is actually one of the tougher brackets for me. Uh, especially when we look at this first matchup, uh, because with the Vikings having Adam Thielen, uh, who was on a tear last year, still really, you know, finished out the year playing very well. Then they have Stephon Diggs, another playmaker. Uh, you have Laquan Treadwell, who's a, a solid guy, has good hands. Not not necessarily a, a speed guy, but a good possession receiver. And then you kind of look at what Detroit has. Uh, Marvin Jones kind of went down with an injury last year, so then that left in the hands of Kenny Galladay, who had a pretty good year, 70 receptions for 1,000 a little over a thousand yards. Uh, then after that, that quality really kind of drops off a little bit. Theo Riddick's in there, you know, but he's a, he's a running back. So it's really hard to classify him in this receiver category, uh, but they're able to use a lot of different pieces in that, that area. So it's uh, overall as a unit for just wide receivers, I'm taking the Vikings in this one uh, just because Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs are such good pieces by themselves that the depth really doesn't matter. Both these teams are kind of weak once you get down into the, the three, three, four position uh, for wide receivers. So I, I have to go to the Vikings on this one just because of the, the top two playmakers. B, I want to make sure you do know, and with the Lions, you have to count in Danny Amendola now. 
yes, but that still doesn't change. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I didn't hear his name, so I just yeah. wanted to make sure. I appreciate you checking it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sway you with two words, Danny Amendola? No, not really. Uh, I mean, again, it kind of comes down to the human factor with, with Matt Stafford being the quarterback. I mean, you can have you know more talent around him, but you got to be able to have the quarterback to, to get him the ball. And, you know, he, he can't do that. Uh, but there's just more more depth talent, uh, I think, with Minnesota than there is with Detroit right now. All right. Nick, I'm curious to your thoughts. Yeah, this one is a tough one, and I'm going to make the case for the Lions having the better group. Look, I think Danny Amendola is a factor there because when you look at the Lions and what they did in terms of having that pure slot receiver, Golden Tate was a guy that used to play there, and he was utilized a lot in that system. And it is a new system with the new uh, offensive coordinator that the, the Lions are bringing in. They no longer have, I thought, was one of the better names to say in the NFL with Jim Bob Cooter. I'm blanking on now who is the – so it's Daryl Bevel is now the offensive coordinator. So no more Jim Bob Cooter. It's kind of sad that we don't get to say that in preview shows. But now they do bring in Danny Amendola, who is a good slot receiver, and I think that does change things because you look on the outside for the Lions right now. Marvin Jones, he suffered a knee injury last year in Week 10 versus the Bears and was placed on IR 15 days later. That's a guy that you can count on who's you know done some damage to the Bears, can definitely be a 1,000-yard receiver. Um, he is expected to be a full participant in Lions offseason program. So, look, they had that going for them. Kenny Galladay had 1,000 yards. Danny Amendola had 575 yards in Miami of all places. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think when you get Matthew Stafford, even though I ripped on him you know, just earlier in this podcast, I think he's going to be able to utilize him pretty well. But then look at the Vikings, those top two guys, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, some of the better route runners, possession receivers, guys that can make those contested catches in the league. And look, both of them had over a thousand yards uh, receiving nine. Both had nine touchdowns each. But after that, for the Vikings, you go to Laquan Treadwell, who I'm not a big fan of, former first round pick, uh, doesn't do much for the Vikings there, had a couple of bad drops down later in the season. And then it really, Chad Beebe, like Aldrick Robinson, who they're thinking of possibly bringing back. I think overall, I might have to give it to the Lions. And that's that's saying something because there's those top two guys. And it's really hard to get past that, but the depth is just what kills me for, for the Vikings receivers. So I'm going to actually give it to the Lions here. I have to be. See, a I kind of want to counter the. I kind of want to counter the Amendola thing well before you hop in here, uh, because Nick said he had what 578 receiving yards. Is that right? 575. 575. Okay, so that's barely second if you put that in comparison with the rest of the Lions receivers from last year, and that's with Marvin Jones having his injury. Uh, and what the Lions really like to do is they like to get those speed guys out into the space and let them create. Uh, yards after the catch. That's why Theo Riddick is second in receptions with 61. He only had 384 yards. So you do the same thing with Amendola, and I don't think you get the same results. So I think that's why the talent, the top two talent out, out kind of outweighs what Danny Amendola is going to bring. He did have Brock Osweiler throwing the football to Danny Amendola last year. So <laughs> I, he does beat the Bears, but they did have him as QB. <laughs> we did watch his, you know, Brock Osweiler's best career game down in Miami, guys. Highlight yes. of my life. We know what he's all about. We also saw him get slammed by Leonard Floyd, so that was pretty cool to see, too. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so I have to play tiebreaker here, which, again, this is a tough one. So I'm glad I get to. Uh, I don't know if I should. Okay, so I'm going to go with the Lions. So they're actually going to get this one. Uh, and the reason being, okay, so you look at the two outside guys for each team. And, Nick, you made a lot of great points. And I know, we know exactly what to expect from these players. Um, but – I really think Kenny Galladay is going to take another step forward this year. And last year, I think he was the 16th 
highest graded receiver according to PFF. And I'm not really trying to get into PFF graves, but I just want to kind of prove that I think he was sneaky good last year. He was on a couple of my fantasy teams. I really saw uh, that myself. But I think outside of that, with Detroit having such a down year and all this, uh, the news surrounding like Matt Patricia, Kenny Galladay kind of got lost in the shuffle there. And then the Golden Tate trade as well. So I just wanted to kind of put that emphasis on Galladay's where he's at and where I think he can go. And then when you're looking at the rest, you already know what Jones Jr. can bring. He's been, you know, a thorn in our side for a couple of seasons now. And then again, Danny Amendola, Brandon, I think they're going to be able to utilize him in the slot and all these short little option routes, find some space, hit him, dink and dunk, five yards here, six yards there. And when you're looking at the Vikings, they don't have anyone like that. They have Stephon Diggs. They have Adam Thielen. Again, Lacan Treadwell, like Nick mentioned, has been uh, pretty much a bust for them for uh, how high uh, they decided to go ahead and draft him. And when I'm looking at yards per catch, uh, it's just very poor last year from the Viking side of thing. I believe uh, Thielen ranked 66th in the NFL, Diggs ranked 96th. And then when you're looking at the two outside guys for Detroit, uh, Galladay ranked 21st and Jones Jr. ranked 31st. So if you have those two outside guys in Detroit getting all these chunk yards, and then you throw in a Danny Amendola to work the space underneath, which is really going to stretch out that defense and really force Stafford, which again comes to the human element, to make some decisions, which I'm going to keep out of here. I'm looking at a pure talent standpoint for the receivers. I got to give this one to the Lions because I think the trio is better than the duo over in Minnesota. I'm surprised it actually went that way. Yes, yeah, so, so am I. Um, I mean, just seeing Stefan Diggs and Thielen, you're like, yeah, that's the best wide receiver group. But hey, I mean, you, Brandon made a good argument for it being is just, you know, that trio, like you've mentioned, is better than the duo. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. If this was last year yeah. and we're going into <laughs> and we're going into 2018 and with the kind of season that Thielen and Diggs had. Yeah. I totally go the other way around, but seeing how they regressed, and again, they're going to be in a, you know, they're still figuring out their system there in Minnesota as well. I just feel like they're going to be very handicapped by a Kirk Cousins compared to, and again, I think Detroit has their own set of issues, um, but I think that uh, Diggs and Thielen, they can't reach their full potential with who's currently under center, where uh, Galladay, Jones Jr., they still can put up some good numbers with Stafford. Stafford can put up good regular season numbers overall. It's just a matter of quality of games and Again, like Nick mentioned with the playoffs. All right, so we have the oh, Lions. In Minnesota, too, real quick, mm-hmm. before we move on. Uh, again, it kind of comes down to the volume of passing, too, because uh, these guys are taking a lot of hits, Thielen and Diggs. So they got to be able to, to stay healthy and you know have the endurance to do it for 16 games. Just to, I don't know if that strengthens your point or my point. but <laughs> I don't know either. I feel like both, actually. Just, yeah. All right, let's do Packers and Bears. We've been doing a lot of Packers and Bears, but this one's a first round, so we don't get to see them in the finale. If the Bear, if the Bears move on, I'm not saying they will move on. I'm not trying to do any spoiler alerts here. But Nick, looking at the wide receivers, Bears or Packers? Man, this this one is also a tough one, but I will actually go with the Bears on this one because after Devontae Adams for the Packers, there's a lot of young guys, and not to say that they don't have upside, but that's where I think in terms of looking at the groups. Uh, purely wide receivers, what the Bears have, what the Packers have. I'm going to go with the Bears because they have a little bit more of, I guess, that veteran, uh, established veteran, uh, I guess, chemistry within the group. And look, they're actually going to get a new offense too. 
So the Bears are already used to Matt Nagy's offense now going into year two. That helps, especially the wide receivers, the chemistry, the play calling. That does help. Now these wide receivers for the Packers and Matt LaFleur's system has to learn that system, get used to whatever the maybe the different route combinations, whatever it may be. So they have to get used to that. And like I said, it's a very young group, high upside. But after Devontae Adams, I'm going to try to pronounce his first name right, Equanimius St. Brown. Yeah, he had a pretty good season for being a – Six-round draft pick out of Notre Dame. Uh, he did some good things there. 21 receptions, 328 yards. Uh, they also have Geronimo Allison, who uh, did have an injury last season. 20 receptions, 303 yards, two touchdowns. And then Marquez Valdez-Scantling, another guy that they drafted last year, fifth round out of USF. So they have some young guys that were stepping up, and you have Aaron Rodgers, so that's going to elevate the play of these guys. But you look at what the Bears have, Allen Robinson, he was injured two games, but was still able to put up 754 yards, four touchdowns. I think he gets better next season. Possibly getting close at 1,000-yard season, I could see him being uh, for 2019. Taylor Gabriel, 67 receptions. Wasn't expecting that out of him, but he had a really good season. And then Anthony Miller, I think, is the X factor and why I give the Bears group uh, the edge here because he was injured last season but was able to make an impact having the most touchdowns for the Bears with those seven touchdowns. I think that... That guy right there, Anthony Miller's the X factor. And look, Javon Wims is going to have to step up now that, well, Kevin White didn't really do much, but he's out of there. Josh Bellamy is no longer there. Javon Wims steps up. Cordell Patterson also is going to be implemented in the offense. And the new guy, Marvin Hall. So looking at the group that the Bears have, I'm going to have to go with them for this uh, wide receiver group. All right. That's uh, I, I like the confidence here in the wideout group for the Bears. I want to go over to Brandon here. Uh, who do you have? Uh, no debate. Spoiler alert. It's the Bears. Uh, because when you look at the Packers and, you know, Devontae Adams really shouldered the load last year. And like Nick said, uh, if we were to base this solely on on young potential, uh, then the Packers would take this one. Uh, but since the Bears have Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Anthony Miller, uh, now you add Cordero Patterson, who adds a rushing uh, threat to the game now. Uh, as well as well as the guy that we just signed, uh, Hall, uh, another speedster guy that can be utilized in the offense somewhere. Uh, that that's a deep group, and you know, again, Hall hasn't necessarily proven himself. I think he said at the top of the show he has 13 career catches, so it's not like he's out there hauling in a bunch of passes. But regardless, I think that I will take those five any day over uh, a heavily targeted Devontae Adams, a declining Randall Cobb, uh, and three potential okay guys uh, that, you know, in a new offense, we're not totally sure what all they're going to bring. So I think this one uh, a little more easily goes to the Bears than the first matchup. Do we know if they're having Allison and or Cobb back? I, I Cobb was, is out. That's why I Cobb thought. Cobb is gone. Allison out. got signed to a one-year deal, I'm pretty sure, for the 2019 season. See, I saw that, but then also there was, like, blanks. Like, they didn't know the money in spot track. So I was like, I'm going to wait and see here. Uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to be okay if he's gone. It really makes the depth even a little bit less in Green Bay. But the Bears already moved on here. So I, the only thing I needed to add here um, for me is, again, Devontae Adams, he's the one man. But for the Bears, uh, I just really think even though uh, I think Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller is a better one, t- uh, two, three uh, than what Scantling and then St. Brown. So for me, this one was really, even though at first I th- thought that maybe the Packers had a chance, it was a little bit easier for me to go ahead and give it uh, directly to the Bears, which brings us up over to the, as you can tell, I'm trying to delay as I type, uh, to the final round here, uh, which is going to be the Lions versus the Bears for the wide receiver group. And I know we have a lot of faith in what the Bears can do here. So I'm curious, can they overthrow 
the Lions with that trio, which I believe is a very strong unit, a worthy foe as it is. And Nick, I'm going to let you begin. Lions or Bears? You know what? I'm actually going to go with the Lions on this one. I'm I'm expecting, look, Marvin Jones is the stats they put up last year being injured. That's not who Marvin Jones is. He's a much better receiver than what the numbers reflect. And that's why expecting what uh, the Lions are going to do. I expect them to get better in 2019. I really do, even though um, the Lions have a lot of issues over in there in Detroit. I do expect Marvin Jones to be better. And I think having that Danny Amendola to really open up things in the middle of the field is going to help out a lot on the outside with Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones being uh, the main guys that will be out there. That's a good trio. It really is. And that's going to give opposing defenses fits, I believe. So even though the Bears have a lot of upside, they're going into year two with Matt Nagy's offense. I expect those receivers to reflect that in their play. They're going to get better. I really just like what the Lions are doing on the offensive side of the ball, especially in that wide receiver group. So I'm actually going to go with the Lions over the Bears in this one. All right. So Nick actually picked the Lions. <laughs> Brandon, what did you do? Uh, well, since I had the Vikings uh, in this one, I'm, I'm going to talk this one out <laughs> a little bit, see if we can be swayed somewhere else. Um but no, when I when I look at when I look at the Lions with Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, I agree, he definitely uh, will be better next year. Uh, his stats do not show the type of receiver he is, so I'm glad that Nick brought that up. Uh, and then Danny Amendola, I'm not sure that that's a trio that you know people haven't seen before. They know how to defend that. You've got the speedster, uh, you got the the big guy that can go up over top, make these big tough catches in the end zone, and then the screen guy with Danny Amendola, that they'll get in space. I think teams kind of can see that and know uh, how to defend it. Uh, pretty easily in my opinion but when you look at the Bears with the five guys that I mentioned in the first matchup against the Packers uh, you know they have Allen Robinson Gabriel Miller Patterson uh, I I think that that four right there provides a much bigger threat to opposing defenses uh, just based solely on talent not even taking quarterback into consideration uh, just because these guys are so efficient in their route running they're able to get open uh, I like to say it, Taylor Gabriel rises the, uh, makes the uh, quarterback rating go up every time he's targeted. Uh, so, I mean, that, that, that's the reason I haven't said that one in a while, so I had to bring that one back up. Uh, but I just think that overall those four are better than the three uh, that Detroit has. And I'm not totally sure that I'm I'm buying what Nick is saying with uh, Detroit's offense getting better. I think that's something I got I to gotta see it to believe at first. So I'm giving the Bears the, the win in this one. Oh, man. A tiebreaker in the championship round with the Bears in it. Ah, I mean, this is tearing my heart. All right, so for me, I didn't think it was actually going to get to this. I thought I was going to get, yep, easy. It's one way or the other, and I would have just had to move on. But I guess I'm put on the spot here. Whew. Well, I don't think the Bears have playmakers <laughs> like the Detroit in a Galladay and a Marvin Jones where they can go down and get those deep balls. Like You saw that from Robinson later in the season. And actually, as I say that, uh, I do believe Robinson's going to start evolving to be that guy more. It took him some time. He did deal with some injuries early on last season. So how about this? I'm going to give it to the Bears because I have to. I just have to, number one. Number two, I have some good reasons behind it. If Allen Robinson can turn into the guy that we saw against the Eagles, that really turns this whole thing around. Taylor Gabriel had a career here year, uh, yeah, a career year here last year. I think he can. I think his numbers are going to dip, but I think his impact is going to be made relatively the same. We saw Anthony Miller with his seven touchdown receptions last year. That's still with a bad shoulder. He's going to be all fixed. He's going to be ready to go. I think Patterson is going to be found oh, his little role in this offense. I think Javon Wims, who's maybe the next big bodied wide receiver that we need outside of an Allen Robinson, may step into some roles. 
even though I really do like that three that Detroit has, like I talked about for the first matchup against the Vikings. I do believe the Bears have the edge over the Lions, but I'm curious, would we have given the Bears the edge over the Vikings still, Nick? Would you have done that? I know you did the Lions, but do you think the Bears have a better one over the Vikings? I think in terms of depth, yes, they do. But yeah. again, that's a really good one-two punch that the Vikings do have. But we, we, we talked about it. The depth with the Vikings after that really, really dips. And you can't rely on somebody to get that third down reception when it's third and eight, third and seven, when all the attention's going to the other two guys. So I would give the Bears the edge in that one. But again, they have really good receivers in, in Minnesota as well. All right, so for this one, again, Bears have it. I'm going to say the Bears four. I don't think I can fit all four fingers here on the screen. Even maybe five, if Javon Wims develops at a rate that we're kind of expecting here in Chicago is better than Detroit's three. So it's almost like a numbers game here with all of these. We talked about it for the Vikings and the Lions. The Lions three better than the Vikings two. And now for the Bears and the Lions, the Bears four to five in the depth chart. Uh, just slightly edging the Lions here. And honestly, this one is no shade to the Lions whatsoever. I do think that is a very talented group. Uh, absolutely. But guys, since we are a little strapped for time, I want to go ahead and move on down. I need to make sure I share my screen again and we can move on down to the tight end group. And Nick, I want to make sure you're listening. Packers versus bears, <laughs> Vikings versus lions, same matchups to start things off, but slightly different order. And Brandon, you're going to go first and you're going to have Packers versus bears. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give this one to the Packers, unfortunately, because after Trey Burton, uh, there's just a lot of question marks with the Bears in that tight end room. Uh, compared to the Packers where you kind of know what you're getting with uh, Jimmy Graham and you know what you have with Mercedes Lewis, uh, I think that those two in that room kind of outweigh what Trey Burton can do. Again, kind of going more off a, a depth thing here. I'm not saying that the talent's better, uh, but they have more options in the tight end room, so I have to give it to Green Bay for that reason. Okay, that one actually slightly surprises me. Nick, are you going Green Bay as well? So I think, man, this one's tough because after Trey Burton for the Bears, Adam Shaheen is just really the question mark. What is he? Is he going to be healthy next season? Is he actually going to contribute? Five receptions, 48 yards, a touchdown. That's all that he, he did for in terms of statistics last season. But then, again, the Packers, after Jimmy Graham, it's not that great, and they don't even like to use their tight ends all too often. Uh, you have Jimmy Graham, and then you have Lance Kendricks as well. He had 19 receptions, 170 yards, one touchdown. Again, that's more than what Adam Shaheen did. But we got to project what they might do in 2019, and if Adam Shaheen is healthy, I think that is a good one-two punch with Trey Burton. Just It's kind of hard to to say what he can do when we haven't seen it yet. So based off of what we've seen so far, I actually am going to give it to the Packers too. Trey Burns a good tight end. He was utilized uh, well with the Bears, uh, whether it was you know with those little um, just shovel passes or running wheel routes and getting into the end zone, having the second most touchdowns on the team with his six. I think what what the Packers have as an entire group is just more than what really we can only say Trey Burns going to bring to the table. Okay, okay. I think I'm going to change one of your votes. I think we're going to make this thing a Bears win. All right, here we go. <laughs> Number one, you talked about Trey Burton versus Jimmy Graham. I get that. You know, Graham had more yards, but Trey Burton, he did have six touchdowns last year, okay, compared to Graham. He only had two. Uh, to Nick, to your point about Lance Kendricks, he's currently a free agent. He's not on the team. He doesn't count. So you just X him out right now. So the only other two tight ends on the Packers, I see Mercedes Lewis and someone with the last name Tunyon. I don't know, Tunyon. Yeah, uh, Tunyon. Seven catches. <laughs> To combine, they have seven catches, 105 yards, 
one touchdown, which is very, very similar compared to Ben Broniker and Adam Shaheen's numbers last year, which don't forget how many games Shaheen missed. So take that into account here. They had eight catches for 80 in a touchdown. And if you were tight ends, usually making their money in the red zone, right guys, Trey Burton in the red zone, he caught 78% of his targets for five touchdowns. Jimmy Graham only caught 45% of his targets for three touchdowns. Well, I mean, for two touchdowns. That was a typo. So, with that said, did I persuade anyone to give this to the Bears? I'm just got a hard time looking at the, the second position on the depth chart because on top of Adam Sheen being injured, when he is out there playing, how many times does he make an out route and fall or make the catch and just fall? You know, there's, there's not a whole lot that he... I don't want to say he's not used to his body yet, but I think that's part of the reason why he's struggling somewhat. Uh, really struggles to find his his true fit in this offense right now. So I, I still think that I have to give it to Green Bay just because there's still a little bit more uh, in that tight end room that Green Bay has to offer, unfortunately. Mercedes Lewis is like 50 years old. Come on, Nick. Yeah, you, you did sway me there, uh, Will, I will admit. Yes. Um, just... Uh, Again, hopefully Adam Shaheen is able to do the things that we're expecting him to do being a second-round pick that Ryan Pace moved up to go get. Uh, I think the red zone was a very great point to make. Again, that's where tight ends uh, usually do make their money, right? And Trey Byrne was one of the better ones uh, in the NFL at doing that. So you swayed me. The Bears are going to get this one. Can I sway you again, Nick? I don't think I want to go to the Packers. <laughs> so. How many? Well, I don't want you to, but how many times did we say Trey Burton's going to have a great game and this is it true. never seemed to really turn out the way you were expecting it? Yeah, it, I mean, that is true. He did disappear at, at one point during the season. I think after the New England game, it's where we saw yeah. a different production. So, but my, my opinion has been changed. I don't want to go back <laughs> at it. It's going to go with the Bears. Here, I'll, I'll follow that point up. And this is, again, Nick, you don't have to change your mind. You're on the Bears and you're not moving. I'm holding tight. You're not going anywhere. Jimmy Graham's expectations last year versus Trey Burton's expectations going into last year. Graham really flopped compared to Burton, who still exceeded expectations coming from a backup tight end position in Philadelphia to starting role here in Chicago compared to uh, Jimmy Graham, who's been here for quite a few places now and hasn't been the same since he's been in New Orleans. Very true. Brandon, silence is all I needed to not hear. <laughs> all right, let's I mean, move on. I mean, you're... What's up? I said you're right. What did you say? I, can't... I was you're trying to be up. overly critical. <laughs> I was trying to be you know, a little overly critical of the Bears' tight end room, but uh, no, you're right. And Zach Miller's coming back, who has a great presence in that locker room. Let's not forget. Well, we haven't seen a report come through, but the sport... spot track says so, so I believe it. Uh, Nick, we're going to go to you for the next round here. We need to hop on through Vikings and Lions tight ends. Go ahead. I'll take the Vikings. I like Kyle Rudolph. I think he's the most complete tight end in the NFC North, even though he is getting older. With uh, He's still a reliable guy. 64 receptions, 634 yards, four touchdowns. He's a good blocker. He's a viable pass catcher. Kirk Cousins likes to go to him if no, if those two wide receivers are not open in Diggs and Thielen. I do like Kyle Rudolph. And look at the Lions right now. Jesse James, a guy they brought from the Steelers last season, had a pretty good uh, season, 30 receptions, 40, 423 yards. But there really isn't a lot of proven guys behind that. And you could say the same thing for the Vikings. I just like Kyle Rudolph more than I like Jesse James. All right. That sounds like a reasonable argument. Let's go over to Brandon, and I'll see if I need to play tiebreaker here. Uh, Vikings, Lions, tight end rooms. Uh, you better be overly critical. Uh, yeah, the Lions because they don't have much of one. So I'm giving it to the Vikings because Kyle Rudolph is just an all-around much better player than two 
or three of the Vikings <laughs> or the Lions tight ends uh, in their room. So I think that uh, Kyle Rudolph by himself shoulders the load for the Vikings in this one. All right. I do have the uh, the Vikings as well, but I just want to make a point uh, that Jesse James with, you know, the 423 yards and two touchdowns last year, which isn't overly impressive, but that was on 39 targets. He did technically split time and was behind Vance McDonald mm-hmm. there in Pittsburgh. So he could make a Trey Burton type of leap in his production. We don't know exactly how that's going to play out in Detroit. It does seem like uh, Detroit always has some issues with their tight ends. You're looking at Eric Ebron, what he did there compared to what he did in Indianapolis as well. Um, and then when you're looking at, uh, again, Minnesota, Rudolph, you guys talked about it, but he was like the main guy. Uh, just to compare real quick, Rudolph had 640 yards, four touchdowns, and James had 423 and two, and that's on almost half of the targets. James only had 39 targets, and Rudolph was only able to do just a little bit better on 76 targets last year. I still think that Rudolph is the better tight end. We've seen it. He's, you know, he's tried and true. Uh, but I just want to say that maybe Jesse James will be a very sneakily good tight end for the Lions next year, and then we can have a whole different conversation at this point uh, in 2020. So moving on ahead to the final round here, we have the Bears versus the Vikings. And Brandon, you're up first. I'm assuming you're going to go Vikings because of where you were for the Bears, but maybe things are going to change. Man, I was hoping you wouldn't do that to me. But uh, I've just got so many questions with with Shaheen and the depth. So it really just kind of comes down for me being uh, Trey Burton against Kyle Rudolph. And, and, you know, when you look at it, Trey Burton's got all this athleticism. We've seen him line up outside the numbers. We've seen him line up in the slot. We've seen him line up the block guys. Uh, and, you know, you mainly see Kyle Rudolph on the inside, uh, not necessarily line up a whole lot outside of the numbers, but he's got such soft hands, just a very good, reliable target out there. Uh, always reliable for any quarterback that's ever played with Minnesota in this time there. And it's really tough to beat Cal Rudolph. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. This one, I don't know. Come back Here. to me in like two minutes. How about this? I'll ask you one question. You answer it. First name that comes to your mind, and then that's who you go okay. with. It's okay. third and ten, fourth quarter, drives on the line. You need to throw it to one person, Trey Burton or Kyle Rudolph. Who do you? Who would you rather have coming across Where are the we middle? on the field? <laughs> okay. <come on. laughs> well, if it's the red zone, I need to know that stat. That's the one that swayed all of us in the first matchup. So I didn't put down Rudolph's red yeah. zone, actually. What is it? I don't know. I forgot to look that one oh, up. Oh, I thought you said you did. Sorry. No, that's uh, fine. No, I, I, I take Rudolph. Be the guy that, I take I Rudolph in that Trey situation. the guy that actually gets there first. Uh, I mean, Trey Burton wasn't necessarily the, the guy over the middle that we thought he was going to be, but uh, he gets there first. Like He's a little quicker, so I think I'm going to take Trey. All right, we have one Bears. I'm assuming, Nick, you're going to go Vikings? Yeah, if, like in that situation, I take Rudolph the more uh, he's just a veteran, knows how to use his body to box out people with his size. I think he can find a way to get in front of that linebacker, convert that down, and then just, you know, keep the offense on the field. So, again, well, you have to, I guess, I think <laughs> choose again, the Bears because you may. I, I should I have done a different order. Why did I put myself in this situation again? <laughs> because if I choose the Bears again, it's like, okay, either I'm a homer or I know what I'm talking about. So, I need to throw in some stats here in order to make this thing work. So, 
Okay, it is very, very similar. When you're looking at the two tight ends, Bur and again, this is from statistical analysis here, um, Burton did have less yards, but only, oh, gee, only 80 less yards. He did have two more touchdowns. And again, this was uh, with Trubisky and Kirk Cousins throwing his way. And then when you're looking at the backups, uh, the backups only had 60 more yards. When you're looking at Morgan and Conklin for Minnesota, they had 60 more yards than Bronica and Shaheen. Still counting in Shaheen's huge absence, which we have used injuries against players in this show, um, but the Bears do have an edge in the touchdown. So I did do the tiebreaker because I thought this may happen. Uh, I went, uh, I went ahead and I looked at run blocking, and I did cheat. Um, I did use PFF's run blocking grades, and I put the Bears tight ends and the Vikings tight ends, and I sorted by run blocking. And all three of the Bears, Trey Burton, Ben Broniker, and Adam Shaheen, were all ranked higher than all three Minnesota Vikings tight ends of that being uh, was it do, do, do Rudolph, Morgan, and Conklin. So if I'm going to do run blocking, which is a part of playing tight end in this league, that's going to be my tiebreaker. I'm giving it to the Bears. I hope everyone listening uh, is excited by that fact uh, since that is going to be our tight end room next year. So for me, go Bears. That's three for the Bears, one for the Packers, and we have one position left, which I mean, know what that means, but we still got to do the position. So to wrap it off, it is offense alignment, and Nick, it's going to be Packers versus Lions, Bears versus Vikings in the first round. And Brandon, I think I went to you first for the last couple of rounds, but I have to do this to you now because it is offensive line, and you are Mr. Trenches. So Packers versus Lions, offensive lines, who do you have? I mean, when you solely look at the statistics between these two teams, the Packers gave up 44 sacks, and the Lions gave up, hold on, I got it written down here somewhere, uh, gave up 43. Uh, so so very close as far as, as sacks goes. But since Detroit gave up one less, that, that's where I'm putting them. Uh, and frankly, this is such a tight matchup, too, because when you look at it as far as uh, rushing yards for both teams, where the offensive line plays a huge role, uh, again, they were only seven yards apart. So uh, both groups here are very uh, close, uh, comparable here as far as talent, as far as acquisition, things of that nature. Uh, but I, I have to give it to the Lions because they gave up one less sack. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Uh, gosh, this one was very, very close. Nick, I'm actually curious your thoughts on this one. Yeah, so I think in terms of when you look at the whole the offensive line as a whole, and when you have a left tackle, David Batiari, and then a right tackle, Brian Balaga, those are some of the better tackles in the league. Um, yes, uh, I think they took a dip down in production. The whole entire unit did. But I think as a core, the Packers do have a pretty good offensive line. And even though the Lions gave up less sacks last year, um, I still think when you look at it from personnel standpoint, I'm going to have to go with the Packers on this one. Um, just looking at those tackles, that's a very important position. Look, Aaron Rodgers is able to have success in this league for as long as he has, you know, and the line's going to be a part of it. Um, getting out the ball fast, you don't really have to block it as much, but Aaron Rodgers is just a guy that I think makes this offensive line better. So when, especially when you account for those two tackles that are some of the better tackles in the league, I'm going to have to give it to the Packers. But how many times in the past have we seen or heard of the Packers offensive line being beat up? I think that should kind of play a part of it too. It should. It definitely should. But it, then again, it's the Lions. And when I'm looking at Taylor <laughs> Decker and Ricky Wagner is like the tackles and just they have some pretty good guys in the interior. Frank Rag Ragnow is a, a good left guard. Yep. I like what he's able to do. Um, I think they drafted him in the second round last year. Um, I, it's it's coming. It's a, a line that I think is going to get better, especially with uh, Ragnow being uh, now another year in the league. 
But I still like what the Packers have at those tackles. Um, and then Corey Lindsey is a guy that I think struggled early on and has gotten better in his career at center for the Packers. So I'll still give it to them. I'm giving it to the Packers as well. Last, I'm looking at the starting five, or at least the projected starting five at this point. Uh, for the Lions, the projected starting five gave up 31 penalties last year together. They are called on 31 compared to the Packers, which is only 18. And you know holding penalties, blocks in the back, just kill drives, kill momentum. And those are just things that really can damper any offense at any given time. Uh, so that's a big one. I think the Packers offensive line, uh, bringing in a Billy Turner uh, who's coming over from Denver is going to be an added bonus to them as well. Um, and then the Lions did sign someone, O'Day Aboshi, uh, who is a one-year deal. Uh, no, not, He doesn't really wow me one way or another. So even though, again, maybe the sacks went the other way, when I'm looking at penalties and I'm looking at just where that starting five is projected out, I think the Packers do have the overall uh, better unit. And again, like you said, Nick, when you have Aaron Rodgers behind you, your job is a little bit easier in terms of protecting the quarterback. All right, next up, Bears versus Vikings. Nick, you are up first. I'm going with the Bears. Uh, in terms of what they were able to do and how that line was able to you know, play last season, uh, only 33 sacks were allowed. Uh, very good for Mitch Trubisky, and it helps that he's able to escape the pocket to avoid some of those sacks, but... You also got to factor in the rushing game. How, where did all these teams finish in terms of rushing yards? The Bears finished 11th in the league in, with 1,938. Everyone else, the second best was the the Vikings. No, not, not the Vikings. Uh, the Packers, which were 22nd. The Lions were 23rd. The Vikings were 30th. So that's also a factor. And then according, so according to NFL penalties, Dot com Chicago had the least amount of holding penalties among uh, these these groups here. So you got to factor that in as well. James Daniels, I thought, played exceptionally well at left guard. Cody Whitehair is going to be a stud, going to get that contract contract extension probably sometime next season. You locked up those tackles who we look early on in their careers. Uh, Bobby Massey was a guy that we used to call upon. When is he going to give up this sack? Really stepped it up last season. Charles Leno Jr. is usually left on an island by himself. And look, he's not giving up many sacks either and many pressures. I think that unit, with Kyle Long being healthy next season, that's going to be one where I think opposing defense are going to have a hard time getting to Mitch Trubisky. So I have to give it to the Bears. I'm going to give it to the Bears as well, and I feel bad because Brandon's probably like, whoa, Will, I'm Mr. Trenches. Let me have a vote here. But no, I think this one's going to be pretty you know, well-round consensus for to be the Bears. Again, you talked about the continuity. We talked about the continuity in the quarterback room to start off this show. This plays a factor here as well because four of these five have now played together for three years. That's a long time to be together in the NFL for an offensive line, especially how everyone shuffles year in, year out for agency, drafts, et cetera. With James Daniels being the only one who hasn't been here all three, that's because he was drafted, and he played very well as a rookie. He's taking uh, steps forward. He's not going to – I don't really anticipate him regressing by any means. I mean, for as high as we drafted him, for all the promise that he showed last year, I'm very excited to see uh, what kind of steps forward he can make. Nick, you talked about it, which is the exact – a reciprocal of my point that I had for the Lions with all the penalties that they were called on. The Bears were one of the least penalized offensive lines, which really can enable an offense to do things. It won't kill drives. Uh, so for me, and then the Vikings as well, they let up 100, and, and this is just their starting five, uh, let up 163 combined pressures last year. And that's with Kirk Cousins back there. Not a good thing. Not a good thing whatsoever. So for me, this one is fairly easy. This one goes to Chicago all day, every day. Brandon, I know your vote doesn't matter anymore, 
but who would you have gone with? Uh, well, spoiler alert for the whole position, uh, take it as you will. But uh, when the Bears lead the division in rushing yards, you have the least amount of sacks, the least amount of holding penalties, and you have Harry Heastand as your offensive line coach, you obviously have the best line in the whole division. So Bears over Vikings. Would you say, since we're now in the final round of Bears versus Packers, Bears over Packers? I would say Bears over Packers. I just needed it. I knew you alluded to it, but I needed those <laughs> words to make sure it's official. Do you have anything else you want to add between the two? I mean, they we've talked about both units already. I just feel like we, we know which one's the best one in the entire division. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. We know which one's the best in the entire division. So I, I think that there's just a lot more uh, young potential here in Chicago than there is in, in Green Bay up there. So I think uh, projecting into 2019, uh, this group's only going to continue to get better. Nick, how about you? Do you have any differing thoughts? Do you really believe that the Packers' offensive line is better than the Chicago Bears? I don't. The Bears have the best offensive line in the division, and like you said, Harry Heastan is going to make this line even better. I think they could be even better in the rushing in the, in the running game. At times, there was a in games where the rushing game wasn't able to get going. I think they can improve in that area. So that's one area where I think they will get better in in 2019 under Heastan and just the, now the continuity that they have with James Daniels and you know Cody Whitehair, especially in the interior. So I think that offensive line is only going to get better so i have to go with the bears the packers yes they have a good line but just have to go with chicago and you know what go ahead you don't win the division without a good offensive line that's true boom Boom. and that's what happened that's why the bears were 12 and 4 big reason behind it and that's with kyle long missing a good chunk of time and we'd even have to even bring that up that shows the depth that the bears had and of course when kyle's healthy that just makes things just a little bit better the bears starting five just to throw it out there only let up 98 pressures last year, which is the only team in the division to be under a hundred. Yes. It goes above a hundred. If you want to add in guys like Witzman and Kush throughout that year as well, but just the bears starting five, 98 pressures allowed 17 penalties against those five very good numbers. And again, if they can stay healthy and stay together, that starting five is the best starting five in the NFC North. And honestly, not only is it talent, it's a great development of your in-house uh, talent, like a Charles Leno Jr. coming from the seventh round. And just the continuity plays a huge factor here as well. So with that, I just have to show the screen. The Bears have won the offense alignment bracket madness that we had as well. And the guys, uh, which that makes the Bears the overall champs here of a score to four to only other team to get a vote here uh, was Green Bay with one. So congratulations to the Chicago Bears of winning the offensive round of the NFC North uh, whatever we're calling it, bracket. What was it, Brandon? Bracket breakdown. The bracket breakdown. That's what we decided on about 15 minutes before we went live. So congratulations, <laughs> Bears. <laughs> I had to throw a boom in there, I forgot guys. about that. I it's forgot about quite some time. So, yeah, I'm curious now. Uh, do we just end the show by just giving many, many thanks to Ryan Pace for building such a great roster that, honestly, no matter which way you slice it, besides Aaron Rodgers, the Bears have the best roster in the NFC North? I think I think that's a good way to start it. I mean, imagine just think back two seasons ago, 2017. I know the Bears don't win any of these awards. They just don't. But now with this roster and what they've been able to do with Matt Nagy, they are what they are, and they have the best roster in the NFC North. Do you know what's funny? Hmm. Next week we have to talk about the defense. Like we have to talk about the defense. <laughs> well, that was something I was going to bring up. Like we always said how great the, our defense is, and never really. You know, said how good our offense is, and then you sit here and do this exercise, and it's like, 
Offense is pretty good. And the only one that was very close was the wide receivers as well, where I was put on the spot, Lions or Bears. And I went Bears, but that can easily went Lions as well. But even if it does, the Bears still have three of the five, and the other two are split up between Green Bay and Detroit. Minnesota, for winning the division two years ago, nowhere on the board. Yeah. It shows the the fluctuation that can happen from season to season. And then now the big thing for the Bears, can they sustain this? Now going into 2019, just like the Vikings, if we had, we had done this exercise probably you know two years ago, what they've been able to do, well, where are they at now? So now the Bears just need to keep this up and improve upon the areas that they you know were lacking in 2018 and just improve on in 2019. It shows, again, the NFL stands for not for long. And this is a very great point. And this is a reason why when we say the Bears are in win-now mode, they're in win-now mode because you never know what can happen in just a couple of years. Players go one way or another. Contracts don't work out, et cetera. But it does feel, guys, and again, uh, we're very close to the situation. And I think some outside of it as well would agree. Um, But with the young core talent that we have here, that win-now, that window is fairly larger than – what other teams usually have. Do you guys feel that as well? Yeah, especially because when you hear uh, these new free agents coming in saying, I want to be part of this culture, uh, that really makes me think that some of these younger guys are going to want to take pay cuts to stay here uh, with the guys that they've you know, kind of grown up in the NFL with. So I think that all this really plays a, a big part uh, in how big our window actually is. Nick, anything yeah. else you want to add? You know, I'm again, it is reassuring that Players do want to come here, play for Matt Nagy, and be a part of this culture. And look, now you have more opportunities to bring in better players. That's That that hasn't been a thing for Chicago in a very long time. So it definitely opens up the window. But like you did say, Will, it is win now. Now all these players are going to be under contract for the longevity of their career. They're going to get other options probably later on, especially if they sustain success with the Chicago Bears. Other teams are going to want to poach these players. But the Bears will have options moving forward because of the culture that is now established in Chicago. Absolutely. So, again, the Bears do win our 2019 uh, post-free agency NFC North bracket breakdown here in the month of March. (laughs) And that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. Make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week as we catch you up with any other Bears news that may come across between now and then, of course. We're also going to look at how each NFC North team stacks up on defense. I already believe we know how that one's going to go as well, but hey, we will go through it as we need to here next week. So, of course, like I said, if any major breaking news happens between now and then, you'll definitely hear from us sooner. Uh, But until next time, enjoy your week, and of course, bear down, Chicago. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. 
Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.